0: Good evening. It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to KVMR FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. My name is Claudio Mendoza and it's time for the KVMR evening news. Tonight, after the National Public Radio headlines and the California Report, we'll take a look at regional weather. Then, we'll hear Hospitality House's Needs of the Week followed by Bravehearts. This week, local singer-songwriter Terry Warden shares the story of how he wrote his song, You Can See the People, after volunteering at the emergency shelter for homeless people. We'll close our newscast with a commentary by Molly Fisk. For their support of Community Radio, we thank Atmosphere Design Build, a full-service architecture and construction firm creating distinctively modern, high-performance buildings throughout California. Specializing in energy-efficient, healthy, net-zero energy homes for a low-carbon future. AtmosphereDesignBuild.com And Colfax Farm and Country Store. Family-owned since 2007 in downtown Colfax. Open daily, 9 to 6, Sundays, 10 to 2. Carrying hay, feed, garden supplies, also North Idaho Energy logs and stove pellets. Delivery available. colfaxfarmstore.com. Here are tonight's NPR news headlines.
1: Live from NPR News, I'm Jack Spear. The Biden administration says it is working diligently to move young people out of border facilities built for adults. NPR's Franco Ordonez reports the administration set up
2: two more facilities this week that could shelter 2,000 additional children. The Biden administration has been struggling to deal with the growing number of unaccompanied minors at the border. As of Sunday, more than 4,200 were being held in jail-like border facilities. But this week, the Biden administration opened two additional emergency sites. One is in Midland, Texas. The other is at the Kimberly Hutchinson Convention Center in Dallas. An administration official described them as short-term stopgap mechanisms. The official says unaccompanied minors spend an average of 34 days in the shelters run by Health and Human Services before being reunited with a family member or vetted sponsor, Franco Ordonez. NPR News. FBI
1: Director Chris Ray says it does not appear the Atlanta shooter had racial motivations. NPR's Carrie Johnson reports the FBI is playing a supporting role in the investigation.
2: FBI Director Ray says the murders of eight people in Atlanta this week hit close to home since he spent much of his adult life in that area. Ray says the Bureau is supporting Atlanta police and the Cherokee County Sheriff as they investigate what he called a heartbreaking incident. The FBI director says the shootings do not appear to be racially motivated, even though the alleged murderer apparently targeted Asian spa businesses and six women of Asian descent were killed. Atlanta police say nothing is off the table when it comes to possible hate crime charges. Kerry Johnson, NPR News, Washington.
1: The Biden administration is in the process of trying to share millions of COVID-19 vaccine doses with Canada and Mexico. As NPR's Tamara Keith explains, the AstraZeneca vaccine is not yet approved for use in the U.S.
3: The U.S. has contracts for more vaccine doses than there are people living here. And while the AstraZeneca vaccine has been approved for use in many countries, it is still going through the approval process with the FDA. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says the hope would be to lend 2.5 million to Mexico and 1.5 million to Canada. And
4: ensuring our neighbors can contain the virus is a mission critical uh, step, is mission critical to ending the pandemic.
3: She says many countries have requested doses of the vaccine. Thus far, the White House has been reluctant to even discuss vaccine diplomacy, saying the number one priority is getting everyone in the U.S. vaccinated first. Tamara Keith, NPR News. The
1: House has overwhelmingly passed Democratic-sponsored measures that will open a gateway to citizenship for more than 3 million young people brought to the U.S. illegally as children and for immigrant farm workers. Republicans are solidly against both measures, though, so it will be an uphill climb to reach President Biden's desk. On Wall Street today, the Dow was down 100 53 points, the NASDAQ fell 409 points. This is NPR. Prosecutors at the trial of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin want a judge to allow expert testimony as to how people react to traumatic events. A prosecutor saying they want a forensic psychiatrist to testify as to whether George Floyd, the black man who died after Chauvin kneeled on his neck, showed behavior consistent with a reasonable person's panic and anxiety during such an event. Meanwhile, Chauvin's lawyers want to be allowed to tell jurors about a prior drug arrest involving Floyd. Oil prices plunged by roughly 8% today, a sudden shift for crude, which had been rising swiftly, and it's likely to take some pressure off gas prices near term. Here's NPR's
5: Camila Dominovsky. Brent crude, the global benchmark for oil, was edging near $70 a barrel last week, a financial and psychological threshold it hasn't hit in two years. But not anymore. After one day's slide, prices closed at 63 bucks a barrel, close to where they were a month ago. There was pandemic anxiety after some European countries temporarily suspended use of the AstraZeneca vaccine. Meanwhile, new data suggests the world has plenty of oil to meet current demand, and ample supply always pushes prices down. The recent surges in crude prices have been driving gasoline prices higher, a trend that could slow down now, at least for a while. Camila Domenoski, NPR News. A group
1: led by British billionaire Richard Branson is pledging to work towards doing away with the death penalty. The group of 18 business leaders today launching their campaign to call on all governments to end executions. Abolishing the death penalty is a cause Branson has supported for years. I'm Jack Spear, NPR News.
3: the California report I'm Lily Jamali. We begin in Washington where the House Judiciary Committee is holding a hearing this morning on discrimination and violence against Asian Americans. The hearing was scheduled prior to Tuesday's deadly shooting spree at Asian-owned businesses in Atlanta that left 8 people dead. But that's brought even more urgency to the rise in hate incidents against the Asian American and Pacific Islander communities in the U.S. Southern California Congresswoman Judy Chu is chair of the Congressional Asian Pacific American Caucus.
5: The Asian American community has reached a crisis point that cannot be ignored. Since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, Asian Americans have been terrified by the alarming surge in anti-Asian bigotry and violence we have witnessed across our nation. In fact, it was over one year ago that KPAC first began to sound the alarm bells about the anti-Asian discrimination we were beginning to see due to misinformation and stigma that wrongly associated Asian Americans with the coronavirus. But what started out last January is dirty looks and verbal assaults has escalated to physical attacks and violence against innocent Asian Americans. And these attacks have increasingly become more deadly. Just as many Asian Americans were preparing for the Lunar New Year last month, we saw a surge in anti-Asian violence. Many of the victims have been older and vulnerable, like Visha ratanapakti an 84-year-old Thai man in San Francisco, who was killed in an unprovoked assault while on this morning walk. In New York, 61-year-old Noel Quintana's face was slashed from ear to ear with a box cutter in the subway requiring 100 stitches. In Oakland's Chinatown, a camera captured a 91-year-old man being thrown to the ground by an assailant. In my own congressional district, a Chinese-American man was attacked, at a bus stop in Rosemead with his own cane, causing him to lose part of his finger.
3: That was Judy Chu, chair of the Congressional Asian Pacific American Caucus. Lawmakers across the state have condemned the violence in Atlanta. The state has seen a rise in attacks against people of Asian American descent this year, including several high-profile incidents in the Bay Area. The cities of San Francisco and Los Angeles have already said they plan to increase police patrols as a precaution.
4: Support for the California Report comes from Water Heaters Only, specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968, licensed and insured, open 24 hours a day, every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone everywhere and College Futures Foundation, supporting KQED special broadcasts from college campuses and other higher education reporting. Learn more at collegefutures.org.
3: The Biden administration has said the U.S.-Mexico border is still closed to asylum seekers. A month ago, officials began admitting people who had previously passed an initial asylum screening, but who were forced to remain in Mexico under a Trump administration policy. Now, migrants who were affected by that policy are wondering when they'll get a chance to ask for protection in the U.S. Reporter Max Rivlin-Nadler went to visit an encampment with hundreds of people waiting on the Mexican side of the border near San Diego.
6: Diego. Marjorie Rosales and her daughter have been living in shelters in Tijuana for a year after fleeing Honduras. Almost a month ago, she pitched a tent outside the port of entry. She told me she would not leave until she could apply for asylum. Last Friday, she was still there.
7: She said it's been tough because of the
6: rain. Her clothes are now wet. There's been freezing temperatures at night and in the morning. Rosales is not alone. She's one of thousands of asylum seekers stuck in Tijuana, many now for well over a year. After the start of the pandemic, the Trump administration used a public health regulation to turn back all migrants along the border. President Joe Biden, for the most part, has kept that rule in place with one notable change. Children traveling alone are now being allowed into the US. But families like Rosales and her young daughter still don't know when that rule will be lifted.
0: They are going to remain until there is a defined process.
6: Ian Philibaum is with Innovation Lawline, the nonprofit which advocates on behalf of asylum seekers. The
0: absence of those guidelines is the number one reason that this camp currently exists.
6: On Friday morning at the camp, there was a flurry of activity. A kitchen was distributing food, Doctors were looking into the health of migrants, and school was in session, led by asylum seekers who had been teachers in their home country. 26-year-old Evelyn Sanchez from Honduras is one of the teachers. She said she feels that the children experience stress, and school is a way for them to relax. They're not necessarily going to learn their letters or numbers, but they can share their life experiences with their classmates. She feels that people like her are common in the camp, people with something to contribute. She says they're educated people, with principles, with values. They aren't just a nuisance or society's garbage. They're simply migrants with rights, the same as everyone else. Like Sanchez, many are here from Central America, especially Honduras. But residents in the camp come from across the world, Including many Haitians who have recently arrived in Tijuana as the political situation in their country continues to deteriorate. Jean Claude Jean fled Haiti five years ago after he was attacked by a criminal group. He then spent five years in Chile working construction and only arrived in Mexico a few weeks ago. He told me that his mother was killed by the people looking for him. And if he returned to Haiti today, he'd be dead tomorrow. Right now, the Biden administration is focused on finding shelter for the rising numbers of unaccompanied children arriving at the southwest border, mostly in Texas. Marjorie Rosales said the reason she's camped out here in Tijuana is because she doesn't want to send her young daughter across the border alone. This is why I'm here, she told me, to be legal. She says she's in danger in Honduras and very afraid. She wants help or just some sort of plan to come soon. For the California Report, I'm Max Ridlin Nadler in Tijuana.
3: And that is the California Report for this Thursday, March 18th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thank you for listening.
0: Taking a look at regional weather in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, showers, with heavy rain at times. Tonight's low will be around 39 degrees. Tomorrow will be partly sunny, with a 40% chance of showers. Tomorrow's high will be 51 degrees. In the Lake Tahoe and Truckee region, tonight, rain and snow, becoming all snow after 4 a.m. New snow accumulation of less than a half inch predicted. On Friday, a 50% chance of snow mainly before 10 a.m., then, Mostly sunny, with a high near 40. And in Woodland and Sacramento, Tonight, showers, mainly before midnight, with a low around 48. Tomorrow will be partly sunny, with a 20% chance of showers before noon. Tomorrow's high will be near 62 degrees. Now let's listen to Hospitality House's Needs for the Week, followed by Bravehearts. This week, local singer-songwriter Terry Worden shares the story of his song, You Can See the People.
7: Hospitality House is a year-round emergency homeless shelter for the general homeless community in Nevada County, and since the onset of the pandemic, we've shifted into a 24-7 operation, working in partnership with multiple agencies around town in a collective effort to help as many people as possible in crisis. I'm Christina Abkarian, Marketing and Development Specialist at Hospitality Health. And the needs of the shelter for this week are PPE masks and gloves. Blankets, twin size, silverware, bottle water, hand warmers, Alka-Seltzer, travel bags and backpacks, headphones and earbuds, brushes, combs and hair ties, toilet paper, paper towels, men and women's winter gloves, men and women's undershirts, men's jeans sizes 30 to 36, 8 oz paper coffee cups, no lids or styrofoam or plastic cups needed please. Women's underwear sizes small, medium, and large. Men and women's sweatpants sizes medium, large, extra-large, and 2XL. Ensure and boost drinks for guests undergoing chemo and radiation treatments. Please drop off urgent items or mail them to you displays located in Brunswick Basin past the DMV at 1262 Sutton Way in Grass Valley. For a tax receipt, please ring the doorbell and wait for someone to come outside to assist you. We greatly appreciate the community's help at such times of uncertainty. In the words of you to Phillips, if we all stick together, we'll all get what we need. Thank you.
1: Welcome to this edition of Bravehearts,
4: where we hope to increase your awareness and understanding of what homelessness looks like, and
7: some of the many organizations working on solutions to improve the homeless crisis.
1: We are your hosts, William Wallace
7: and Betty Louise,
1: and these are the Bravehearts.
7: Welcome to this episode of Bravehearts. This is Betty Louise. And tonight, we're going to hear from Terry Warden, a Nevada City resident and songwriter. This was recorded in 2017, but had such an impact that I thought it wise to bring it back around. Terry is going to share his story behind the song he wrote, You Can See the People, after volunteering at the emergency shelter for homeless people.
2: Where does one begin? Okay. For years and years, I've been one of those regular, middle-class people, driving back and forth, going here and there, and along the way, seeing the folks parked out on the median, never quite knowing what to do about it. Sometimes I'd stop and give them five bucks. Sometimes I'd look at them like, I wish they weren't there. Most of the time, I would just turn a blind eye to it and go about my business. And uh, this last holiday season, there was an advertisement in the local paper, the union. They were running short on volunteers to work at a, at a warming center here at a place called Pioneer Park. And so having been pretty much a self-indulged, selfish person most of my life and most of the time, something came over me, you know, and I said, I'm going to go see where this is at. I'm, I got a great life and maybe I can make somebody else feel better for a little while if I just do something. So I went to the homeless shelter and I walked in and there was Janice. We hit it off and I passed out blankets and put down sleeping bags, and we washed pots and pans, and fed these people, and had a very interesting realization about what wonderful work's going on that most people don't even realize, because they're too busy doing what they do. And so, after going there and seeing that, I, as a guy who likes to write songs, when I saw these folks, and, and I saw this woman who's trying to corral this whole thing, it was pretty inspirational. And the way she closed the show for me was... When I want to leave, I said, this seems so almost impossible and sort of hopeless and so big. I said, what, what can you really, really do for these people? And she looked me right square in the eye and she said, all you have to do is love them.
8: You can see the people living on the street. people.
0: Next, Molly Fisk shares her thoughts about the interconnection of all things.
8: Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet
4: Well, what should we talk about today? Deborah Holland's swearing-in ceremony as the first Native Secretary of the Interior? The murders in Atlanta of eight people at massage parlors, six of whom were Asian women? Real estate prices as Americans ramp up to the coming epic migration away from obvious climate disaster zones. We could discuss Sarah Everard's final hours, or the man arrested yesterday with guns and ammo outside the vice presidential residence. Maybe you're old, like me, and got your second COVID shot. Maybe you're young and optimistic and are taking a plane ride without inoculation. Or perhaps you think it's all a hoax and Bill Gates has microchipped the unwary. We could talk about that. It's easier for me to describe what's happening close at hand than to delve into the big horrors and celebrations of the day. I have such strong feelings about violence, violence against women, The inequity between women and men, racism, both systemic and specific, xenophobia, colonialism, reparations, ignorance. My opinions will never fit into a three-minute radio time slot. These issues are too complex and layered, and I don't want to merely say I hate this or that politician and the NRA and the GOP. Brevity just makes it sound like I'm reciting bumper stickers. But it feels like a lack of empathy to talk about four stellar jays cavorting in my apple tree on a rainy day like this, when there are such momentous things going on around us. I don't think I'm alone facing this dilemma. And I know you aren't all poets, though I dearly wish you could be, so this might not make sense. But here is how my mind works the vivid blue of those stellar jays with their black heads leads me to the blue-black eye socket of a Chinese woman aged 75 who beat up her assailant on a San Francisco sidewalk after he punched her. A random racist attack by a white guy who is and is not all the other white guys, like the one in Atlanta having a bad day yesterday, killing Asian masseuses. That carnage is unbearable and not new. Think of how this country was colonized, And then listen to the resonance of an indigenous woman leader acquiring power over decisions about our land. The blue of the sky and sea and the black night. All the centuries of white damage, but also the tall white moccasins Deb Holland wore as she was sworn in by Vice President Kamala Harris. And her beautiful dress is stellar J blue with, look, a black jacket over it everything is connected. Try not to forget that. This would be a good time to remind you that the opinions expressed here are not those of the radio station, its staff, board of directors, underwriters, volunteers, or listeners, and are solely put forth by the commentator, in this case me, Molly Fisk.
0: Well, that's our newscast for tonight, March 18th, 2021. You can listen to this newscast and others again wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, kvmr.org. Stay tuned. Money Matters with Mark Kuniberti is next, followed by Democracy Now! at 7 p.m. My name is Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for listening and have a great evening!